This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Hello and welcome back to the Young Makers Podcast. I'm your host, Kenzie Aaron of Aaron Iron and Steel. Let's get right into it. This is the podcast by Young Makers and for everybody. I uh, hope you guys are all having a fantastic day today. It's hopefully Tuesday or beyond for you guys. We're recording on Monday. Um, just, I don't know why you needed to know that, but it's good to know. It's a Monday right now, so Labor Day. Happy Labor Day, everybody. And let's get right into it. With me in the studio today is not one, not three, but two fantastic young makers you guys may have heard of if you listened to the last episode. And if you haven't listened to the last episode, go check that out first. It'll give you guys some more background information on these two fantastic people, Caleb Gant and Peter Isart. How's it going? What's up, guys? Hello. So we're going to be talking about our past weeks, our future plans, tools that we want, if we can list them all in an hour, mm-hmm. what we do outside of knife making. If, As you guys know, these two are both fantastic young knife makers. Um, we're going to talk about balancing work school because for a lot of us, it's back to school time right now. And I think it's a really relevant issue, especially with the COVID. So we're going to talk about how school is with COVID going on because I you know, it's obviously going to be drastically different from where we were last year at this time. So without further ado and without further rambling, let's get right into it. Caleb, what have you been doing this week? I've been doing a lot of forging. So uh, Monday was my birthday. So I turned 16 and I started a massive billet of eight layers of 1084 and 15 and 20. I drew that out and restacked it to two billets of 16 layer Damascus. And then uh, currently turning that into a mosaic Damascus. It should look pretty cool. Awesome. That's one heck of a birthday present right there. Yeah. And Peter, what's up in your shop? Yeah, to be honest, not much. I just started school again. And I'm doing, uh, I don't know if you guys know this, pipe fitting. It's like where you weld yeah. uh, pipes together for like the petrochemical industries or food industries and yeah so i've been yeah sure doing a lot of that and learning to dig weld which is pretty damn hard Ooh. yeah but satisfying incredibly satisfying yeah i've never i haven't tigged yet um i'm looking forward to it though i know my grandpa has a tig welder that i'm dying to use and i'm in welding class at school as well twice this year actually because my timetable is a mess i want to talk about that a little bit just later but um they've got everything in that shop mig stick and tig but i guess tig is only grade 12 level so we'll see how fast i can because cts courses here career technology studies it's uh you get credits based off units so you know as fast as you work is as many credits as you get oh we need 100 to graduate we only have that in like our universities, not in our regular schools. Oh, that's weird. Well, no, I guess that's, I don't know. I always thought RCTS yeah. was weird, but. Like with us, when you choose, like, um, I don't know how to say this, but you can choose between different kind of educations, like yeah. what you're going to learn. And everything is already predetermined, like when you have which course. So, yeah, that's pretty easy <laughs> hmm. as far as planning. Yeah, yeah. Ours, is, ours is similar. So you'd go to like a trade school to learn things like welding or be a mechanic or an electrician. But then you pick classes within that. So Or you go to a university and you can learn like to be a doctor or whatever. But it's a little different here. But anyways, I'm hoping since I, you know, have some experience welding, I can work faster and get extra credit. But in my shop this week, yeah, also nothing. Um, I've got two blades finished up. Well, two blades, right? And they need the handle. I did a test handle on one of them just to experiment with some stuff. And 
the things that I was testing worked and everything else failed, but I'm pretty happy with it. And then, I mean, if you guys want to hear something gross, I've been out of the shop the last couple of days, not only because of school, but because I have a massive boil growing on my leg Ooh. and it's so painful. Like I, for the last couple of days, I could barely even like walk around or move it. Like anytime Yikes. I touch it, it hurts so bad. It's like, oh man, it's like the size of my hand of like a oh, big wow. red swollen spot on my leg. It's really gross. So I'm just waiting for that to ooze. Um, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I've never wanted to see pus so bad in my life. <laughs> <laughs> That's not gross enough for you. Um, it's Yeah, it's exciting stuff here, though. Uh, but today I'm feeling a lot better, so I'm hoping to, uh, right after we're done this, I want to go outside and try and experiment with making some woodworking chisels and stuff. I just want to start playing with it because it's a product that I'd like to offer and learn how to make well in the future. So I just want to start, you know, almost like woodworking as a hobby with knife making mm -hmm. as a job almost, if that yeah. makes sense. So what are you um, gonna, just What are you going to make the uh, chisels out of what material? Um, I I have a bar I have my like knife steel, so I have some 1095 I could use mm -hmm. or 1080, but I think I'm just going to use I have that's maybe quarter inch um 4140 Oh, yeah. yeah, I think it's 4140. And it's not perfect for like a, a woodworking chisel because you want it to slice more. It's not an impact tool, so it doesn't need to be tough. You need more of an edge, but it's a cheaper steel, or at least I got it very cheap, and it's a nice size to make what I want to do. So I think I'll just use that to experiment with. I have a lathe, so I'll turn a maple or walnut. And again, cheap maple and walnut, not like stabilized or anything, but cheap stuff. And just experiment with it a little bit. So uh, I don't have much for the last week, but hopefully I've got some exciting things coming up next week. Two knives to toss handles on. They're going to be actually my first set ever. Um, originally, the customer ordered one, and I was working on a small, almost petty. It's a six-inch uh, Santoku shape. And so I was working on it, you know, separately, and then I sent, I showed him, and I'm like, well, they make a pretty nice set. Do you want both? And the customer said, yeah, so it's exciting. going to be my first set nice oh and yeah actually i have a pretty exciting week yesterday i went to the store to end all stores and i'd love to shout them out they were fantastic i went to canadian forge and farrier it's in spruce grove right beside edmonton if any of you guys are albertans and they were incredible they have you know new anvils they've got abrasives that i've never I finally found a source for Trizact belts. I'm excited to try those. I didn't order any, but I, you know, I found them. I bought all my forge building supplies there and a piece of stabilized uh, maple, which I'm excited. I've never used stabilized wood before. They have, and they've, they're adding lots of new stuff to the site. They're going to start building forges, offering classes, so or stabilizing supplies. They've just gotten a, approved to be a Norton distributor. They've got everything and horseshoe stuff. They sell Ethan Hardy's hammers. They sell hammers by other makers and tongs. And oh my goodness, like I, they had to drag me out of there. <laughs> Those people were really awesome. So check out Canadian Forge and Farrier. They have an Instagram, but there's nothing on it yet. So I don't know what their plan is with that. Um, at Canadian Forge and Farrier on Instagram. But they're fantastic. So definitely check out Canadian Forge and Farrier. And now I have everything for my forge, so I'm really excited about that. I still need burner parts. I'll get those tomorrow when it's not a holiday. So, yeah. Are you just going to use a black iron pipe for your forge, for your yeah. burner parts? Or? Yeah, I'm doing a, it's a frosty style. I keep oh, yeah. saying that. I don't know if that means anything to anybody else, but on iForge Iron forums online, there's a guy, Jerry Frost, designed a burner that uses a T-fitting as air intake so you have one on each side instead and then a mig tip and you cut the mig tip down to dial in your oxygen to fuel mixture so it's it's actually not adjustable like consistently you or it's you don't adjust it in use but you just uh, dial in the burner once and then it's perfect for what you want and it seemed simple he's got very detailed instructions for free uh so i'm excited i'm gonna try and use that so yeah nice that's what's up. 
I guess I, that talked for a while. That was a pretty mm. good rant about my last week. Peter hasn't said anything in a while. Is he still yeah, there? Yeah, I was just listening to you guys. Awesome. Very hypnotic. <laughs> yeah, um, here it's already pretty late. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tricky with these time out. zones. Well, yeah. Caleb, yeah. so <laughs> you're doing Mosaic Damascus by hand? I am, yes. Do you want to talk to that a little more? I know we talked before, but Can the I... listeners haven't heard that. So if you want to get yeah. in on that. So I am doing this all by hand with uh, just a railroad track anvil and a old uh, cross peen. And I'm hoping to make a pretty complex shape. It's kind of hard to describe, but the core will be, if you've ever seen like a almost a C pattern where you take a billet and you re-square it to curve the layers, I'm going to have four pieces of that in the center to make almost like a, a sideways triangle shape. Then I'm going to have a mixture of um, just straight 1084 with nickel shims and Damascus around that, just eight layer straight, uh, straight eight layer Damascus. And then on the top and bottom, I'm going to have um, 1084 and again, nickel shims to make the spine and edge. And it should yield a really, I mean, not too complicated, but a really cool dark pattern that will hopefully have a whole bunch of blending between the, the spine and the edge and the center, as well as the different tile pieces. So I still have quite a bit of forging to do to get it um, ready for the, uh, I guess you call it a fairy flip or the mosaic tile welding. But hopefully I can get that all done and it won't fail. Yeah. I mean, you're going for a full fairy flip? Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't figure out a way to do it without doing that. But I also don't have a bandsaw, so I'm going to have to cut it out with an angle grinder. So it's it's, it's going to take quite a few hours to do. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it. It sounds um, like a super nice project. But, like, I've tried mosaic before, and I've failed miserably. And I did it with, like, a bandsaw, yeah. forging, hammer, presses, like, everything you could imagine. And, like, I would just say... When you fo uh, have you four-wayed it yet? No, that's the next step. I'm actually going to have to do it in multiple parts to yeah. add in around the core. I'm going to just say four-waying is like the most difficult one because mm -hmm. if you don't have a surface grinder or anything, I mean, it's really hard to get it perfectly flat. And when yeah. you have these little gaps, I mean, that's where my problem was. I mean, I six-wayed mm -hmm. it. And so oh, wow. that, w yeah, it split a bit, but luckily because I had the power hammer available, I was able to consolidate it and of course add a mm -hmm. lot of borax, just like light, light taps. And mm -hmm. then, so I was able to consolidate it that way. But then when I tried uh, my own version of a fairy flip, it just, yeah, yeah it just didn't work out. So mosaic. It's definitely the hardest part. Um, yeah. Sorry, the one of the hardest patterns to do. Yeah, I'm going to be adding um, definitely a bottom and top plate. So if you know how you'd usually lay out the pieces, yeah. I'm going to lay that on top of a sacrificial piece, weld the tiles to the piece, and then also put another one on top, like Kyle Royer does. And hopefully that'll help keep everything together because I am doing it by hand. It takes a while to get those fully set. So I'm hoping that'll keep it together. I might also add pieces um, parallel to both of those. So I guess you, maybe side pieces. Uh, if the, the other two sacrificials are top and bottom, those would be side. And I'm hoping, I mean, it would almost make a canister. And that would help keep, you know, oxygen out and just give me more time to get the forge welds fully set. Oh, yeah. Canister is probably a good idea. Well, it means a lot like... of grinding later, but. Oh, yeah, but hopefully you'll save some steel, especially working by hand. You don't want to lose steel. Mm -hmm. uh, so if, forgive me you know, if you don't mind me asking, but um, how much money do you have invested into steel for just this one project here? Um, so right now for the billet, I used 44 inches total of steel. So that's almost, you know, one bar. That's coming from, you know, New Jersey Steel Baron. That's probably about, you know, 20 bucks, you know, not including shipping. 
Plus, I have some nickel shims in there. Um, so, but you know, it's probably less than fifty dollars in actual material. Oh, really? But where the big cost comes in is in the propane, because I'm running twenty pound bottles. It it just guzzles it up, and it's a lot. It's a lot longer of forging because I am doing it by hand. So instead of it taking you know a day to full, I mean a you know a couple hours to fully draw out my first billet, it took me you know two days. So that's really where the real cost comes in. At yeah, first, that's, I, that's less than sorry. I expected on steel, though. Yeah, it's, it's not too bad. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead, Peter. Sorry. Yeah, so at first, I mean, with my new forge, I had the same problem where I was burning a lot of propane. And mm. yeah, it just, it wasn't efficient. So I did some tweaks for like to the burner, uh, to like the insulation, and also mm -hmm. like replace the gas hose, tightened it up, tightened it up. So maybe those are some tips to do because it helped a lot. Like I used to run one bottle for two days and then it was empty. Mm -hmm. Now I get like four days or more. Nice. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely yeah. look into that. My my actual the regulator. I don't know if it's red for you guys, but it's the big yeah, red thing with the knob. It actually broke so the part that it's it won't go below five psi on the actual reading there's nothing going through it but i, I think some i might hit it with something on accident so i'm going to need to replace that anyways and i might also get a new hose when i do that because it's got a couple of uh, melted spots so maybe that'll increase efficiency i'm not quite sure but i think the biggest step to help would be to either reline my forge or make a new one because the lining is just it's crumbling and it's not very efficient yeah, because you're working in a majestic forge, right? Yeah, I am. So, and those are cast, cast lining or what? I think it's actually cable that was then has satanite cast around it. It's not uh, like a regular fire brick. Like the floor is obviously fire brick, but yeah. the sides and the top are all this. It's it's only about inch thick, which seems very thin. But based on how much they were going to charge me for me to get replacements and what they and how they were like how they describe the properties of it that's what i think it is but i could be wrong well does your forge get hot on the outside like like yeah. how hot does it get outside it um i'm not quite sure because i haven't really touched the uh, <laughs> the shell of it but i mean on the front obviously where the dragon's breast comes out it, it, oh, it sure. definitely heats up i mean it gets to orange hot especially when i have bricks in front of it but so I would imagine that the shell gets pretty hot. So I don't think it's incredibly um, insulating, but it does get at least most of the job done. Yeah, because I've read that like on a really well insulated forge, the sides after two or three hours should be you should be able to touch it. Like yeah. not not like you know leaning on it, but you should be able to like <laughs> touch your hand to it. And then after that, you know, obviously it's a forge; it's going to get hot, but. Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe see how long it takes before it gets too hot to touch. Try yeah. licking it or something. You know, just all the, <laughs> all the scientific tests. Yeah. yeah. I'll definitely, when in I'll doubt, try lick that. it. Yeah. Alright, that sounds... That's awesome. I, I really wanted a Majestic Forge too, but it sounds like... Yeah, as just, far as the money goes, it's a little bit... Definitely not for the money, and it's definitely not holding up as well as I would like it to. When I first got the forge, the the top the top um uh, call them bricks were already cracked, and shortly after the floor also started cracking. So I don't think it you know holds up too well for such a long time. But I also have kind of been abusing it over yeah. its life. So. Well, you know you'll need to re redo forges and stuff yeah. and. I know my forge was very cheap, so I'm definitely, it's time to redo it. And I've been doing a lot of work in coal, but the coal has mm -hmm. been, tr it's tricky. It's not the ideal fuel for knives, I feel like. Or at least the shape yeah. of my forge is definitely way wrong for knives. But the I feel like propane will help me. Mm -hmm. I guess I mentioned this last episode, though. So, instead of, uh, you know, going through the same circle that we followed last time, let me ask you guys a question. Uh, so I know Caleb, you've been back at school for a couple months now, but mm -hmm. you're not you're not in class, are you? 
No, I'm I'm homeschooled, so I, I'm never really in class anyways. So you're not really seeing any difference between, you know, before and after COVID? No, not really. Not a lot. Uh, Peter, are you back at school? Like yes. in class? And how is it? Yep. Yeah, it's just stupid, to be honest. Like, <laughs> we have to wear a mask in, indoors, which I can understand. But we have to wear it, uh, like, in our own class with the people who we, with whom we sit each day, every week. We sit, like, uh, every time we sit, like, a few meters apart. But then when we are outside, we don't have to wear a mask. But here comes the thing. When we are outside, everybody's jam-packed on, like... I would say, I think it's called a playground. So everybody's jam-packed. So, I mean, if someone's contaminated, everybody's going to get it. And then when we have, like, uh, sport glasses, we also don't have to wear a mask. But then we are practically, I mean, we are as close to each other as we, as it can be. So, yeah, not a whole lot of sense. And even when yeah. we weld in the classes, when we have welding classes, I have a class of like two other people, so I'm with three, and we have a pretty huge hangar, so like we sit pretty pretty far apart, and still we have to wear a mask even with our welding hood on. So yeah, it's just not thought through. So yeah. Yeah. I think that's kind of widespread that all of these COVID measures aren't very well thought through. They just kind of go surface level of, well, everyone just wears a mask, but they don't actually think about all of the different situations. Yeah, it's a little yeah. bit, it's a little iffy when you are taking your mask off and talking to people outside, then you wonder what was the point of all those hours with it on. Mm -hmm. Like, I understand that we should be wearing them, but then... You know, you got to pick all or nothing. Are we going to wear it or are we not going to wear it? Yeah. But, I mean, I live in a rural town. There's about a thousand kids at school, but it's a pretty small... I guess it's a city, but it's a small city. There's no no cases in the city now and one in the county. So, like, you know, we're pretty optimistic about school, but... And it's a pretty similar situation for us here, too. You know, we're... We're wearing masks all day. They're trying to keep us distanced, but it's in the hallways. It's just packed outside. People, you know, we're allowed to go out for lunch still because they're trying to spread us out. And you would hope that the fast food places around that all the kids go to would be regulating it carefully and watching, you know, numbers of people inside and masks and whatnot. But it's not. I went, I went out and everyone was just packed into the Dairy Queen and, you know, with no masks and so we'll see how long school is on for. Yeah. Um, I want to be in school for now because I'm taking some very difficult classes. I've got AP European History, which makes me Ugh. sound so smart when I say it. Um, so I'm, you know, it's going to be a tricky class, and I want to have the teacher around, and we'll see how mm. long we'll actually be at school. There's but, usually a lot of maps, a lot of map work in those types of courses, mm. at least the ones that I've experienced. Well, yeah, it's. I've only been there for one day, but he basically said we're starting in 1400, and he's just mm -hmm. gonna talk through years every day until we're to today. Hmm. So every day is just gonna be him talking year by year until we get here. So it's gonna be a weird class. It's gonna. I'm excited yeah. about it though. It's an interesting uh, approach. We'll see how much knife making I get done because I've got a lot <laughs> of you know heavy classes to do. Oh, we're not allowed to have lockers. Do you guys? have lockers peter still or did they shut them down uh, i'm sorry can you can you repeat that i, I didn't really understand <laughs> oh it. no problem um so for covid they they said no lockers for students because uh i guess like you'd be it concentrates kids all there you know you're like at oh, your locker no, right no. beside we the other still, person and we're touching we still stuff have we still have oh. them it's, but yeah I mean, to be honest, the rules in our country, they don't make much sense. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can watch 
football with 10,000 10, other people. Hmm. But you can't go to like a little event in your own town with like 100 people. But yeah, that all Doesn't makes make sense. sense. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's just super stupid that they like they take such such risks with like uh, football and such. But we have a pretty big event sector in Belgium, and like the whole sector, half of the companies is bankrupt. They are close to bankrupt because. For the last half of a year, they didn't get any money. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's stupid. It just it just doesn't make sense. They got a lot of the priorities wrong, in my opinion. But yeah, yeah. Who well, am I to it judge? Seems like no, I know what you mean. And sometimes it seems like you know, like a big football. Well, we call it soccer here, but you know, a big sporting event like that brings in a lot more money for I mean the people who are choosing and I'm not like one of these political people I know we get you guys we get political us but <laughs> um, you know I'm not a very political person I try and honestly just ignore it which I guess that's probably not a good attitude exactly what I'll, they want you to do I'll vote I'll vote when I grow up but that's it like I'm not gonna watch the news that much it's just it's all the same so I don't know. I have a pretty bad political attitude, though. I don't really care. But it does seem like sometimes those, you know, things that make money make seem to make sense, apparently. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Man, this is depressing. But, you know, away from that, we're back at school now, and we're all, you know, off of that summertime where you had all day to work almost full-time as a maker. Yeah. How do you... Like then the question becomes how do we balance work and school and and sports and you know whatever else you may do i do I box, I do jujitsu, I play school sports, I do school, and then I come home and make knives, and so I'm hoping to get two hours a day after school before boxing, but trying to balance that, you know make sure you're done in your homework, but hopefully run a business even. Yeah. I know we all sell our work. I have orders waiting for me that I need to work on and I have school and stuff and so balancing that is very difficult and motivating myself to get in the shop when you're tired yeah. is also difficult. So I honestly don't really have any tips for balancing work and school or anything like that. I'm awful at it. So how do you guys do it? Uh, weekends are nice. I just... I try to get in as much as possible, but even then, it's 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 hard to balance wanting to spend all of your time in the shop, but also you know, still making sure you take care of your family duties and your school duties and all of these things. <laughs> Duty. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <It's, laughs> this is what happens when I go too long without school. I've only had two days of school in the last five months. Uh, things are starting to break down. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I guess it is just motivation. You know, you'll make time for it if you want, if you really want it. And weekends, yeah. You know, if you get six hours a day on the weekend, maybe an hour or two every day in school, you can still get a a 15-hour work week or whatever, which I guess is okay. It's a part-time job, isn't it? Well, that's my problem. Is it's it, For me, it's not motivation. It's, it's being allowed to do it because I'd love to work, you know, 12 hours – each day on the weekend because you know i'll get tired but i'm still fine to do that but being allowed to do that and because you know you got to cut the grass you got to do the dishes you got to do all these things that just they seem to get in the way but that's true things start to pile up yeah just balancing your priorities between knife making and all of the other things and when you have a free like say you have one hour between you know whatever you're doing and then the next thing do you do you get yourself into the shop for one hour, or do you get that feeling like, oh, you know, what am I supposed to do in one hour? Yeah, I usually usually if it's less than you know an hour and a half to two hours, I won't go out because also it just it puts me in a bad mood personally because you know you got you get into that mindset and then to only be in it for such a short amount of time, then all I can think about for the rest of the day is knife making and 
how I'd rather be making knives than whatever else it is I'm doing. So usually, you know, two hours is my limit. That's that's why I didn't go out today because I wasn't going to have time to get more than, you know, an hour in. And which, you know, I could have tacked up the billet that I need to um, forge weld, but I wouldn't have been able to forge weld it. So then it'd kind of be like almost an open thread in my mind for the rest of the day of everything I need to do with that. So. Yeah. The only thing I can do when I have a small amount of time and I want to just do something in the shop, the only thing, like like you said that I can just do for a second is hand sand. So if I have yeah. a blade ready to be hand sanded, I'll go in there for 20 minutes and, you know, get a grit done. Yeah. But anything else, yeah, open-ended, you know, leaving it open like that is just Yeah, also yeah, it stings. With hand sanding, it's kind of like a almost like a finish point. Like for me, hand sanding is one of the last things I do before I move on to the handle, so that's kind of like that kind of ticks off that blade in my mind of being done and ready for a handle. So that's definitely, I wasn't thinking about that, but that's definitely something that I could do for a couple of minutes as well. Yeah, but like in the shop, I mean, right now, every blade I have is like finished. All I got to do is like um, sharpen them on my whetstones, but I haven't found the time for that. And also you can't hand send or like file or like the little jobs. You can't do that when you don't have a forged out blade. But luckily, mm -hmm. I, I yeah. still have a lot of forged out Damascus that only needs to be cut and ground. And then, yeah, mm -hmm. the rest of the processes. So it's, yeah. it's pretty all right. So as soon as I have a bit of time, I'll just start processing those. Yeah, that's that's sweet. Um, but Peter, how long, like, how do you manage your time how do you balance school and work? How do you find time to get into the shop? Uh, to be honest, I always have like in the summer months, I work a lot on my knives. And then in the school year, I don't. <laughs> Pretty much none. <laughs> but I also don't have decent grinder. Like I have not a lot of, I don't have a lot of tools. So that's why working on something with files and such, it's it's hard to find enough time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so what I always tell myself is on the weekend, I make knives. On, during the week, I think about knives. Is, <laughs> I, th I think I go into withdrawal if I don't make for a whole extended period of time. I yeah, me too. Getting irritable and generally yeah. get angrier. I do just get grumpy too. Yeah. And in the winter last year when it's... Like I said, minus 40 and you work in an uns uninsulated garage, you can't. You can't do anything at all for, yeah. you know, a month and it really sucks. So, like I said, I'm hoping to move into a heated shop for the winter and mm -hmm. things are looking very good on that. Like, the horizons are pretty bright. Nice. So, obviously, again, it's very turbulent times and you never know what's going to happen. And I don't want to, like, put pressure on the people that are helping me to get into that shop to... Yeah say oh yeah it's definitely gonna happen and i know and i want to get it hurried but i feel optimistic about the odds of it happening before winter is all i, I want to leave that at and yeah it's tough to get in the shop and you know we're all awful at it and that's the moral of this story <laughs> yeah we're not good at doing our our half jobs yeah no you can't you can't leave a job half done it's the worst yeah. thing in the world so I spend all of my money on blacksmithing and <laughs> knife making and stuff. And like, I tell my friends, I'm like, oh, check out all this money I just made off this knife. And they're like, oh, sweet. You want to like go shopping or why don't you have all these nice clothes? And I said, oh, I bought sandpaper already. <laughs> you know, uh, I was out of belts. Now I'm, yeah, now I'm broke oh, again. Belts. I know belts and steel. It ah, goes so, so fast. expensive. So I spend all my money on it and I, I'm constantly looking at the next big tool, the next thing I want. So let's split this up into two categories. I want you guys each to say the next small purchase you want to buy, you need a new file or whatever. And then the next big thing you're pocketing all your money for, uh, in, you know, shop, shop wise. So Caleb, if you want to go first. Um, I guess next small thing would probably be some way of etching. I don't think I'm going to buy a full etching machine because um, uh, when I say etching, I mean uh, etching my logo onto blades. I don't think I'm going to buy a full machine because those are really expensive. But 
I definitely want to start doing that. Start being able to mark my mark my name on my blades. People can't steal them. Um, and then for the big shop purchase, it's actually technically a small purchase um, because I if I don't know how many people know, but I have been working on making my own hydraulic press, and I'm almost I'm so close to being done with it, but it needs a a proper motor. So I need to. I'm hoping to buy the same kind that they use on coal iron works presses. I don't know. You guys know what those are, but they're they're really nice press presses. Uh, that a lot of what, U.S. base makers use. What type of motor do they use for those? Uh, they use a two. It's only actually a two horsepower, I believe, single phase motor. Um, and it's you know it's totally enclosed, fan cooled, which basically means it's it's less likely to die. It's less likely to get overheated. And Plus, if dust was an issue, yeah, would, dust. Yeah, same so as like a belt sander would use. I yeah, I was gonna say that's that's what I have on mine. But yeah. I have three phase on my belt grinder, but I don't want to have to buy a VFD and run that, you know, get all the power and all of that out there for the press. So I'm just going to get a, a, a 1800 RPM, two horsepower, single phase motor. And once that's done, fingers crossed the press will work and I won't have to hand hammer as much anymore. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be... I've been looking at that build for a while, and it's pretty inspiring. I mm. I mention a lot I want to do a tire hammer build, so... Yeah. Seeing a kid do it, something... It's comparable, although it's a completely different tool, but it's, you know, a similar yeah. size build. So it, it does inspire me, and I hope to do it. At that mm. new shop that I'll hopefully be moving to soon, we can pour concrete foundation and whatnot. Huh. If we if we should feel so inclined, so you know that's why I wanted to sometime. go. That's why I wanted to go for the press, is because one I thought it would be you know easier to figure out how to make. Spoiler alert: is they're just as complicated and hard, and I've messed up a lot. But oh, also, yeah. I didn't want to have to pour concrete because you know one I don't want to leave a huge footer behind when I move out of uh, this house. But also, you know, that's just expensive. Concrete is super expensive around here. Well, not if you do it yourself. Well, yeah, obviously, but still, you gotta, you know, you gotta buy the all of the all of the concrete. And yeah, it's but just it's, yeah. it's yeah. a lot of work too. It's, it's a big. It's a gonna be a big thing, and hopefully, you know, maybe next year the I can do that. But hmm. um, Peter, what are you looking at? What have you been eyeballing lately? Lately, uh, so first of all, I want to buy, I don't know how, um, how is it called again? I mean, to to fit up tanks, Black Dragon Forge sells uh, it. Oh, handle brooch. A, a brooch. Handle brooch. Yeah, yeah. A handle brooch, I want to buy one of those. And what I also want to buy is like a power hammer. And I've been eyeing a few. Mm. I mean, there are a lot available. There's like um, a hanger in Belgium, hmm. which has like seven or eight g beautiful giant power hammers, but they are hella pricey. But I've also been hmm. seeing um, spring hammers, like a bit different from a tire hammer, but... Um, the same but yeah. concept, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, but the same concept. And... I saw one for like 700 euros, which was too much oh, wow. for for a hammer. I found for such a hammer. Then I also saw the same one, but in a better condition for 2,500. Also way too much. <laughs> but then I saw like a completely rusted up one, banged up. And I think I'll just try to lowball the shit out of it. And then mm -hmm. hopefully... Hopefully, like, get it sandblasted, painted, and running. But yeah, that's that's a lot of hope in one sentence. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And when you're, yeah. When you're talking about a spring hammer, um, what what exactly do you mean? I'm not, I'm having trouble visualizing this. Um, so I mean, I really can't explain it. I, it's uh, like it's so. It's it's essentially instead, a mechanical power hammer. Yeah, it's a mechanical a power hammer. Yeah. But like instead of a tire hammer, where they drive the hammer, the tire, it's mm -hmm. like on the back of it, down below. Oh yeah, I know. There's I mean, like I know a flywheel, 
and that yeah. pushes up and on top there's like a, a big a big spring that goes from the back end to mm-hmm. the ram and, and like it's connected to the ram and so yeah that's that's a bit how it so, works yeah, now it's, i know what you're talking about it's sort of like a little giant yeah 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 and yeah it uses the same principle as a tire hammer it's just the tire is you know an accessible way to build a flywheel mm-hmm. no that's not a flywheel is it yes you know what i mean though yeah, yeah. A, yes either way you know what i mean it's mm-hmm. a it's an accessible way to build that as opposed to needing cast parts and whatnot mm-hmm. And I like the idea of a mechanical power hammer over air or steam, which is, you know, very rare. But just simply because you can then make it almost like the way the Japanese use their spring hammers, Mm -hmm. which is very fast hits and uh, like lighter hits than you might use with a a big heavy air hammer. Yeah. And then you're using small, almost hammer sized dies that it's like you're it's like your hand forging it and it's a similar effect. Mm hmm. And I like that for, I feel like that's the best for knives. You can do tangs like that. It makes it a lot easier to draw out the tip with slightly domed dies. It looks like it's, it looks to me like the ideal tool for forging knives. Although I'm sure everybody has their own opinion on that. So, but just the principle looks right to me. I think for knives, for knives, a press is like the best. Mm. Yeah. I mean, money money and like um available space wise mm-hmm. but like right now i personally prefer a power hammer just because it's more it goes um poof 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 it has uh, i mean <laughs> it's just i can't explain it like feeling a power hammer working with a power hammer it's yeah, yeah. You it's feel the a... thumping. You feel the thumping in your chest, yeah, like mm. especially with the larger ones. Like you can stand twenty meters further, you could still feel the thumping. And even like um, when I was with that blacksmith, when he was working or just turning on the machine, so it wasn't even hitting. And I was like twenty meters further, working on a belt grinder with ear protection, with earplugs and ear mufflers i still could feel i could feel it in my chest that it was turned on so yeah it's just well it's hard to explain it's just when you feel it you'll always keep it with you especially when you're a certain yeah well it has a certain soir de vie eh? Mm. yeah 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 that's the term i feel so smart when i say french (laughs) things like that Swarthy, you know, it's got it's romanticized a little bit too because yes. it looks a lot more fun than a press. But Definitely. I find it interesting, Peter, that you said that a press would be the ideal tool for knife making. But I feel like a power hammer is almost better suited for knives, whereas yeah. a press is a press would definitely be better for Damascus mm-hmm. or yeah. uh, hammers or axes and you know heavier tools like that. Well, on that on that uh, thought. The big issue with presses is that the thinner you go, the less work you can get done. Yeah. So because it, you know, it squeezes out the heat so quickly. So you're definitely right that it's better for Damascus, and a power hammer is just—it's better for general working because it has a wider range of what it can do. Yeah. But you know, a press will be nice. You're breaking yeah. down stock. You can. Yeah. And, you know, you put a tang in it, and then all you have to do and thin your steel to your thickness. Then you just forge a tip, toss mm-hmm. bevels on it, and you have a knife pretty quick. To so be, either is definitely a fantastic tool. Yeah. To be honest, but, I don't think like in applications, I don't think there's a big benefit uh, or like downside to either one. I think they. Mm-hmm. You can get. Uh, I mean, of course, depending on like the the weight ranges and like the tonnage on both on like a press or um, a power hammer. But when you have two who are relatively in the same class of power outputs, I, it's just down to operator skills mm-hmm. and operator preferences. But for the rest, uh, there's no difference. I mean, a bit in how you use yeah. it, how you forge it, but like in what it can achieve, there's no difference. Uh, yeah, they can, both, they can both do whatever you want. 
Yeah. For like very specialized things, one could be better than the other, but then again, that's mostly mostly to up to the operator. Or like like yeah. when you forge gates and you have to drift a lot of a lot of holes, you can put dice into a press, so that's a lot easier. But mm-hmm. I mean, you can also make them for a power hammer. But yeah, yeah, they're they're both incredible tools, and uh, yeah, yeah, either one will be worth your time and effort and money. Yeah, it's definitely. an investment for sure. So for me. I mean, I went to Princess Auto yesterday, and I don't think mm. you guys have that. I think that's a Canadian no. one. I know what you're talking about. Princess Auto is a thing? I don't so have it's, them. It's just basically like the best hardware store ever, and they have yeah. all their own tools. Power Fist is a brand, like Princess Auto brand of tools, and they make everything. So I walk in, and the first thing I see is this uh, – horizontal bandsaw like a steel bandsaw and i was oh man and i think it was uh maybe like eight or nine hundred bucks which is that's pretty good yeah but like yeah Yeah, for well we'll wrap it up pretty quick but that's i and i just saw it i just saw it real you know right in my face it's like oh man i want that how can you get something like that brand new for that price like Sorry. Then sorry I walked if I in. Interrupt. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So. Okay. So would you have to be wait? You have to be a little bit careful with big bandsaws. I don't know the prices in America, but here in Belgium, if you spend eight hundred euros for like a big one, like a big one for like regular construction work and such, you ain't gonna get, have a, a nice machine. Your machine is. Mm. It won't be. It it just would be a cheap, cheap uh, bandsaw. Yeah, like, it's def uh, and power price for like a decent cheap. one. For like a decent one here in Belgium, for like a big bandsaw with like a roller. I don't know how to how they call it. It's not a rolling bridge, but it's like uh, like a table with rollers on it, kind of wheels, so you can slide mm, yeah. in your pieces. Yeah. I think you know what I mean, uh, but I don't know the word for yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know what it's called either. Like for that, it's like 3,000 euros or something for a decent one. So and I'm a 800 small euros shop, seems so, like uh, but, r- really, r- yeah. Well, 800 euros is like 16 or, you know, I don't know, maybe 1,500 bucks. It's almost double. Yeah, not uh, quite double, but it's pretty close, especially to Canadian think, dollars because we're even yeah, less than Canadian US dollars. Yeah, Canadian dollars, so. yeah. But I just, it, it was staring me in my face and it's like, oh man, I couldn't afford it, but that's not my next tool. Then I saw a sandblasting cabinet for $200 mm-hmm. and I almost walked out with that, but I don't <laughs> need that, you know? Yeah. So my next small tool I need is, uh, I want a Bill Benke file guide. I'm going to order it off Alex Steele oh, Co. Yeah. 80 bucks. Once I can, aff- like I have the money. Once I sell these knives, I'll order one of those. And then big tools, I'm so torn, you guys. I'm saving up. I want, yeah, to build a power hammer, I guess. And then I think I want to buy a kiln. Mm -hmm. And I get the my knife making supply shop does supply Paragon and even heat, but they Mm -hmm. do free shipping on Paragon, so that looks pretty good. Gonna go against the whole makery network with that one. Oh, it's it's a tough one. Although then I I saw. On Kiln Frog, they have you can finance it, and they mm. only have even heats, so it's gonna be a real tricky decision here, guys. But those are some tools I've been looking at. We're coming up; we're at about fifty minutes, so it's it's felt like fifteen. It's gone really quick. You guys <laughs> true, are fantastic, true. and having two guests is real fun. So I guess we should get to wrapping it up pretty quick here, though. Um, yeah. We've all got lives to live. And I'd like us to each pick a maker who has been inspiring us this last week or, you know, recently. And for me, I actually discovered mine day before yesterday. I had no idea who I was going to do. And then all of the sudden, Baze's Blades just popped up to me. I saw them on um, Mm. Eating Tools. And I was like, this is exactly 
like my style of knives. So it's a guy, Alexander Bazes. He trained in Japan under a master bladesmith, and he is now living in Japan. So he's not Japanese, but he moved there. And he is making a lot of wrought iron clad, which I desperately want to get into. I love wrought iron clad. Wrought iron clad Brute de Forge 26C3 is like my dream knife that I want to try to make. I don't even know anything. Like, I've never used 26C3, but it looks like that in wrought iron sounds perfect to me. You know, because you got soft and hard, and it seems like a good balance. It's Japanese style, mm-hmm. my favorite. So, yeah. just seeing his work, you know, check him out. Bases Blades, all one word, on Instagram. All of the, our recommendations will be in the show notes, as well as our Instagrams and the podcast Instagram. So, check that out. I'm looking at Bases right now, and I see what you mean. That is definitely a very nice combo. Oh, yeah. And he he does a lot of simple handles too, which I always mm-hmm. love. Especially the I like the co- I think that's copper bolsters that he's been doing. Yeah, yeah, just fantastic. So Caleb, who have you been looking at eyeballing lately? Um, can I do two actually? I mean, they, they both have different reasons. I yeah, can be special hurt. like that. So um, I want to you know give a shout out to Burley Bladeworks. Um, he's a also a young maker and makes incredible stuff all by hand. And I've been talking to him a lot about, um, you know, what I'm trying to do because he also does his mosaic Damascus by hand. He's definitely given me quite a bit of good experience, I mean, uh, advice. And, he's, I mean, an his, in, I just, he's a crazy young maker who oh, I would yeah, love I mean, to have on. If he's listening, you should DM me because I would love to have you on. He's crazy. So just yeah, go his, ahead. His work is definitely definitely insane he's, even, he's been in blade magazine he got like yeah an article written about him that push dagger is amazing mm-hmm. yeah the meteorite one. yeah so yeah check him out for sure I'd, i'll ditto that one yeah uh, and sorry, then go ahead. the the other one is black lotus knives i i've been looking at his stuff for a while now and it's just it's very inspiring to me his uh just the different layers that he does and especially when he uses like a, just a simple material that fades into Damascus, that transition line. It's just so crisp and amazing. And he's definitely a maker that I aspire to be more like. So definitely go check out his work and Burley Blade Works. They're both amazing knife makers. Yeah, definitely. Those are some good picks. And I guess you're on two episodes, so you can say, pardon me, two people. There we go. It works out good. Uh, Peter, have you picked somebody? Yeah. I I would also choose Burley Bladeworks because I know him. I mean, I've chatted a lot with him. So, yeah, he's like a maker that has given me a lot of tips and that really inspires me. And also, I mean, who doesn't he inspire? The one and only Kyle Royer. I mean, everything about his work is just fantastic. I mean... I wouldn't say that I would skip on a crat on a little scratch, but I mean, if there's like a micrometer that doesn't suit him, he'll start over. I mean, he's just he's insane, and I really like his work ethic. Nothing's perfect until it's perfect. So yeah, yeah definitely, really, yeah, really a big example for me. He is one of the. Uh, just finest knife makers around I guess and Burley is on his way to there too mm-hmm. we all love that guy so show show them some love I just looked at Black Lotus Knives and I just followed them because he is fantastic that's definitely yeah. a lot my style I love that mm-hmm. so everyone has picked really good uh, people this year this week so if, you, if you're going to pick a week to go and follow all the people that we just mentioned this is a great week do it every week you know we, we've got great taste here at the young makers podcast Definitely. and at every podcast on the makery network which is what i'm brought to you by young makers podcast comes on every tuesday brought to you by the makery network which is the podcast network for makers we you know there's a lot of podcasts on there they're really excellent there's more coming i believe i think there's still a couple of shows you know in pre-production right now so stay tuned although i I can't verify that. Don't quote me, but I believe so. It's constantly growing. It's an excellent network created by Craig Lockwood of Knife Talk Podcast, which is 
a epic podcast which came out today in our life yesterday in your guys's lives and you know simple little life another albertan podcast check him out he's got youtube as well you know there's the work for it podcast handmade podcast overseas and there's a ton and they're all really well done so if you like this yeah. go check those out you know none of so, the hosts are like fake energy it's relaxing listening while you're in the shop and they're all a lot of them are hilarious so definitely check them out well, what's up peter so kenzie can i have like can i ask one last question of how course. did you get into these podcasts like how did you get <laughs> the id because i mean it's not really obvious and also like how did you get in touch with the makery network because, of course, so, I'm trying to rip off the whole idea that you're doing here. <laughs> and I'm going to fake it. <laughs> no. Although, so the the network is trying to be diverse, so they don't want to do, you know, they're trying to avoid too much of the exact same thing, as I am trying to do too. Young makers who aren't knife makers, hit me up, because I would love to have a little bit more diversity. Although, sorry, I'll, I'll get back to your question, although this reminds me of something I did want to mention. I've been trying to find young makers who aren't knife makers and we're all knife makers as far as I can find yeah. like a lot of us because and you know I want to throw some credit to Alex Steele. Mm, I, definitely. Like name were, were you guys both inspired on some level by Alex Steele? Very uh, much. I mean not yeah. not like the idea of wanting to make knives not really that but like the idea of yeah it's possible even when you are but, like like um, a young person. Like yeah, so, yeah Alex Steele made it accessible. Yeah. No, Alex Steele made it accessible to a wide range of people. Um a wide range and young people. And so I don't know, I doubt he listens to this. If he does, you know, I'd be honored, but you know, Alex Steele and Will over there you're working for him too. You guys I, again, I doubt they're listening, but you guys have made this so accessible to peop young people. And so, you know, the knife-making scene has all these people growing into it. And I just wanted to give some recognition to them because they've really sort of created this community um, on some level, you know. And they're not solely responsible, but it does... It's made it so that a lot of us young people are knife-makers. Mm -hmm. But... Anyway, back to your question, I was on an episode, so I started listening to the Makery right away, right, like the day it all came up, I started listening to stuff, I listened to Housework podcast, and they were looking for guests at the time, so I was like, hey, I have a microphone, and, you know, I might have an interesting perspective just because I'm a kid, you know, would you like to have me on, and uh, Brian, <laughs> graciously allowed me on the podcast we had a great time talked about that check it out kensi aaron and the faberge egg is the episode name and i really enjoyed it i reached out to craig i talked to him you know it's been a process we worked towards it and the young makers podcast became what you guys know and love today mm -hmm. and it's all thanks to yeah craig and brian i I think Brian did say he recommended me, which I appreciate so much. And yeah, it was just a process of being in the right place at the right time and asking. So never be afraid to ask. It's like our most powerful weapon for sure. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I guess with that, I've plugged the makery. I've plugged us. I've plugged a lot of, you know, really worthy makers. Everyone's all plugged up and we will end the episode right here. Thank you guys so much for listening. Like I said, every Tuesday on the Makery Young Makers podcast, I appreciate everyone who's listened, everyone who has, you know, left a review, and everyone who's sent me a message just saying they like the show. It really, I appreciate it so much, and it helps me to keep going. So, thank you all for listening. Ready? You know, this is the last episode for now with Caleb and Peter, so I'll let them say bye. I don't know if you guys have wise words again. I always like to open it up. Nope. I'm all out of wise words. Oh, that's all you got. That's all I got. I don't think the the one that I said when we were off <laughs> the other week is quite appropriate. Alright, that's too bad. Peter, anything wise to leave them with? I have some wise words, but of course if I would tell if I were to tell all my wise words, 
and even a fool would know them they wouldn't be wise anymore so all right so we're keeping our cards close to our chest (laughs) no no i don't have any thank you everybody for listening i hope you're having i hope you had a fantastic labor day and i hope you have a fantastic week uh keep making keep listening good night if you like this show take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network Thank you.